Praise God. Well, you know, I was thinking about the message that I preached just about a month ago. And that message was titled, Shine a Light on It. And in that message, I shared with you how when sitting under the preaching of the word, I always make a demand on the anointing and the gift that's on the inside of either pastors Mark and Brenda or whoever is ministering in this pulpit or wherever else I may be. Amen. And I said to you that when you make a demand on the gift, the gift of God begins to operate. And that is an awesome thing. You see, it requires faith. It requires your faith, your faith to be activated to receive. So it's sort of like this. It's sort of like turning on a switch. And when you turn on the switch, you've got something. Amen. You turn off the switch. And you got nothing. You got nothing. So what I want to say to you tonight is turn on the switch of faith. Amen. And whatever it is that God wants to get to you, he'll get to you. It doesn't matter who's ministering. It's the Holy Spirit who is the teacher. And he wants to teach you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to help you tonight. He wants to equip you tonight. He wants to build you up. Glory to God. You know, that's why... Jesus could do no mighty works in his own hometown because there was no demand. Oh, that's just Jesus. That's just the carpenter's son. They didn't place a demand. And when you leave here tonight, don't leave here without revelation. You know, you can do that. You can leave with no revelation and then you go out the doors and you blame, blame me or you blame God. You blame, you blame the preacher or you blame God. But see, it's your part to turn on the switch and make a demand because God wants to visit you tonight. Don't miss your time. And appointments of visitation with God. He always, always, always has something to impart. Haven't you found that to be true? Have you ever gone to the word and come away not receiving something? No. If you're there and you're making a demand, God is going to speak with you. Now. I had shared last month about Pastor Mark, pre, Pastor Mark preaching out of Psalms 112. And as I said, I was making a demand and I saw something in the scripture. The scripture that said, unto the righteous there arises light in darkness. See, suddenly I saw the words, light arises in darkness. And as I saw those words, I thought about the sunrise, how the sun rises in the east and it rises in darkness. 
But then as it arises, it overtakes the darkness. And that is a process. It's a process. It's not one of those instant miracles. But it is a miracle. It is a working of God nevertheless. If you're going through a dark place tonight, you know, this is to be a glorious, joyous time. But I'll tell you, so many people have difficulties at this time, at this season. And if you're going through some things, you're going through a dark place. I want you to know this, that unto the righteous, who are the righteous? If you are in Christ, if you are a child of God, you are the righteous. It's not something that you have to earn. It's not something that you can borrow or buy. It is the gift of God. As a believer, you have the righteousness of God. And I'll tell you, unto the righteous... There arises light in darkness. That brings hope. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Tonight, I want to say to you again, make a demand. Be fully engaged. Be present. I have another one of those nuggets from Pastor Mark's message. When I was present here, making a demand two Sundays ago, and Pastor was preaching, and he referenced a scripture in Romans. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. And I about came out of myself when Pastor Tom was actually singing it because he had no idea that I was going to preach on this. And that's how the Spirit of God works. Amen. This is the Holy Ghost Church. And that scripture says, What shall I say to these things? If God be for me, who can stand against me? You know, it was the Apostle Paul that wrote those words. And I started thinking about how You know, what were some of the things that the Apostle Paul went through? So I want you to look with me at, uh, I believe it's 2 Corinthians. I have first on my notes here, but I think it's, well, maybe 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 39 in the New Living Translation. Do we have that up there? It's 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, verses 23 through 29 in the New Living Translation. Well, I'll go ahead and start reading it. It says, I have worked harder, been in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced um, dangers from rivers. Dangers from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people. The Jews as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and in the seas. I have 
face danger with men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been thirsty and hungry. I have gone without, I have gone, I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without even clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern, my care for all the churches. I'd say he'd been through some things. How about you? But who wrote those words? Those words that said, what shall I say to these things? Look at all these things. Have you not faced some things in this earth life? What shall you say to these things? Well, Paul said, if God be for me, who can stand against me? Well, you know, I love that attitude. We have to have that attitude about some things. Amen. Um, the last couple of weeks, I'll tell you, I've been saying some things to those things. I've been speaking some things to those things. That speaking to things that come up in life. And we all have them. Every single one. You know, if you're either coming out of a trial, in a trial, going through a trial, or know somebody that's in one. Amen. And I'll tell you, these things will help you. They'll help you to get through. They'll empower you to get through. Well, these things, again, that passage kept coming up in me. These things, these things, these things, things, God, things. I'm speaking to you. God is for me. Things, listen up. I'm speaking to you. God is for me. And if God is for me, hey, you can't stand against me. Do you get that? What shall I say to these things? Here's what I'm going to say to these things. Things God is for me. And things, you fill in the blank, you cannot stand against me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love that nugget. That was rich. It was a rhema word. Because over the next couple of weeks, I had so many opportunities to speak to the things. I had so many opportunities to speak to my own soul. God is for you. These things cannot stand against you. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Well, again, as I began to speak, I began to speak over these things. I noticed that I, that's my spirit, I began to rise. My soul began to rise up higher and higher like an edifice. And that word went off in me today. And I thought, what is an edifice? So I called Pastor Tom. I said, Pastor Tom, what's an edifice? And he says, well, you know, like in Jude 20, where it says, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith, make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Ghost. So we sat there and we're thinking, what's an edifice? So he started looking it up. 
And we found out that one definition of edifice is a large, magnificent, massive structure. You know, that's like the body of Christ. And you're a part of that body. And you are large. And you are magnificent. And you are massive in stature. And that is how you have to see yourself. You've got to be God inside minded. Not me inside minded. Not what I can do. You've got to be God inside minded. So that you can rise like an edifice. So that you can know. You can know that hey. Things God's for me. God's in me. He's going to help me through. I want you to say it with me. Things. things. Now you fill in the blank as you're saying it. You know you've all got things. So let's just say it. Things. things. God, is God is for me. You can't stand against me. You, you got to speak to those things. Well, as I said, as I began to speak to him, I began to rise up on the inside. It builds you up. Speaking builds you up. And as you build yourself up, you know what you find? You find yourself above it and not beneath it. It's a wonderful thing to be above. It's a wonderful thing to be looking down on and saying, Ha ha, God is for me. You can't stand against me. I've been above and I've been beneath. And above is better, I'll tell you. Because when you're beneath, I'm telling you what, those things are speaking to you. But you got to speak to the things. Again, you don't want to be overwhelmed by them. You want to overcome them. You can feel the light of God, like we were just saying a few minutes ago, begin to rise in your situation as you begin to declare and speak the word. As you begin to speak to the situation and speak to your own soul. You know what you're doing? You're ordering your conversation aright. And that's what the scripture tells us to do. Order your conversation aright. Now, you can have a right conversation. And if you can have a right conversation, you can have a wrong conversation. And so, many conversations take place in our own minds. What are you saying to yourself? About yourself? About the situation? Are you saying to self, self, God is for you? It can't stand against you. Praise God. God inside minded. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says that we're to cast down what? Imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what? Thought. Every thought into the obedience of Christ. Now remember, thoughts produce imaginations. And imaginations are what? Pictures. Pictures. And pictures, when they're meditated upon, they'll produce a stronghold in your life. Whether good or whether evil. So you got to protect your gates. 
Protect your gates to your heart so that you can protect your life. I'm telling you, it's the truth. Your gates are your eye gates. What are you looking at? Your gates are your ear gates. What are you listening to? Your gates is the thoughts in your mind that drop down into your heart. You got to protect those because your thought life has everything to do with your success in life. Wrong thinking equals wrong believing, which equals no receiving. So you got to change what you're saying to yourself. You got to discipline yourself. I'm telling you, you got to discipline your thought life. To conform to God's word. And I know, again, that that's a process. See, the Bible says no discipline. Our flesh doesn't like discipline, does it? No discipline at the present time is joyful. But rather it's grievous because it's hard work. But it yields something. It produces something. It produces what? Peace. Peaceable fruit to those who are trained by it. We've been talking a long time. Pastor's been doing a message on you can't try to change. You got to train to change. And this is part of that. You got to train your thinking. You got to discipline what you're thinking about. Some people have been told all their lives. You're dumb. You're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. And they told themselves that and bought a lie. When God says you can do all things. Through Christ Jesus. Who will infuse you with strength. So don't buy a lie as truth. Discipline yourself. Now about 14 years ago I preached a message. And in this message I used my three year old little granddaughter as an example you all not remember it was Allie then but it's Alexis now (laughs) and when Allie I'm just going to use Allie for that example I know she wants to be called Alexis now but when she was little we called her Allie and she we had this little wiener dog a miniature wiener dog and you know he was yeah (laughs) his name was Oscar Meyer wiener dog and he would run he would jump up on Alexis and he would just try to bother her and she would she would just haul off and let him have it and he wasn't about to take that you know he's gonna fight back he's gonna defend himself but anyhow we were teaching her to use her words and we said Allie use your words don't hit use your words And so Oscar would come and run and try to jump up on her. And as he would do it, she would look at him and she would grab her arm and she'd say, Oscar, stop it. (laughs) And that was discipline because you see, she wanted to haul off and let him have it. (laughs) And she was three. Now at three, if she can do it, (laughs) amen. We can do it. We can just take hold of ourselves and we can say, stop it. 
There's some things that we've got to stop in our life. There's some things we've got to stop in our thought life. Because if you don't, it will be a rabbit trail. I'm telling you, it will. It'll lead you into that place. I'm telling you what, it, more people have fallen because they have not disciplined their thought life. It is so important. And that, I, I, back then, that was such a great uh, illustration, Alexis. So thank you for it. She was a preacher. She would put on my clothes, my church jackets and different things, and she would stand and she would preach. And she would say, if Noah says build an ark, you build it. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Okay, so disciplining your thoughts will discipline your emotions. Did you know that? Because what you're thinking on, your thoughts, affect your emotions. If you're feeling fearful, if you're feeling frustrated or angry, you got to go back and say, what am I thinking about? So your thoughts affect your emotions. When you discipline your thoughts, you'll discipline your emotions. When you discipline your emotions, what will that do? It will affect your behavior. Amen. So I say this. If you don't want to fear, don't be thinking on it. If you want to walk in love, think about walking on love. In your brain, your brain has like, it, it's, it's such an interesting organ. And your brain, ha- it's like your thoughts travel like a train on a track. And you know, sometimes you just need to switch that track. You need to switch the track. And again, that's work. If you think of somebody who gets out and manually switches a train track, that's heavy. It's work. And you know, sometimes you got to keep getting out and you got to manually switch that track so that you go in another direction, a direction that produces peace. But if you do that long enough, you know what will begin to happen? Your brain will rewire those little neurons. It'll just reconnect it. It'll make a new pathway. It'll create one. And you won't have to manually get out and switch the track. No, it'll automatically switch for you because you have a new pathway that's been created. See, God created your brain. And you could just make it go a different direction. And you know what that's called? That's called transformation that comes by renewing your mind to the word of God and to the will of God. You might not be able, you know, as Brother Hagen used to always say, you might not be able to control the birds flying over your head, but you can certainly control them landing in your hair and building a nest. And thoughts are going to come. They're going to fly. They're going to be like, you know, there. You might not be able to control that, but you could control them building a nest. Amen. Don't let them even bring one little twig. Not one little bad thought. Not one little lie of the enemy. No. Cast it down in Jesus' name. You can choose to think on these things. There's that word again. Things. Think on these things. I love the the New Living Translation. It says, be not anxious about anything. Or do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer... And petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and let the peace of God, which transcends 
all understanding. You can have peace in a situation because God will give you peace, even though you don't understand all about it, even though it doesn't make sense. It's the peace that surpasses what you know. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it'll do something for you. It'll guard your heart. It'll guard your mind. But you have to do something first. It says, finally, brethren and sistren, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, what is true? The word is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Whatever is of excellence, praiseworthy, good reports, think on these things. Whatever you have learned, received, and heard in me, practice it. Practice makes improvement. Practice it, and the peace of God will be with you. Now, let me say this about that. There are some things that may be true, but if they're not lovely, if there's no good report, if there's no virtue in it, stop thinking about it. There are some things, situations that can overwhelm you. The past, there's people, things. I'm telling you what, unforgiveness. It's like an acid. It will eat you up. And you'll continue to rehearse in your mind all these things that will not produce peace for you, but will steal, will kill, and destroy you. You've got to discipline yourself to say, no, I'm leaving those things behind. They're in the past. Paul, he said, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching, pressing, pressing through to reach towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. God has a higher place for you to walk. God will vindicate you. He'll make it clear as the noonday. And I'll tell you what, you got to give it to him. Vengeance, God said, is mine and I will repay. And when you start talking about what this person did and what that person did, you hold them in a place. You know what? That's none of your business. Your business is to pray for those. Pray for your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. And allow the power of God to come into their life. Allow the power of God to come into the situation. And there's something about that. When you have a situation where somebody has so wronged you. So hurt you. And you choose to forgive. You choose to release it. It doesn't mean you allow somebody to keep harming you. That's not what I'm saying. But there's power in releasing people. There's power in releasing 
people. There's power in forgiveness. There's power in allowing God's love to rise up in your heart. There's power in letting God deal with it. And he will. Praise God. Be anxious for nothing. I like the new, again, the new, uh, I think it's the message. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Isn't that good? Don't worry or fret. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns before you know it. A sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and it will settle you down. There are situations in life where we've got to be settled down in our emotions. Thank you, Lord, for helping us, for coming with your presence, coming with your goodness and settling down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it up, friends, I'll say to you, do you, uh, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to be praised, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and recognize. Do that and God will make everything work out together. He will work you into his most excellent harmony. Isn't that what the world is looking for? Peace and harmony. Don't you want peace in your life? Then let go of some things and let God come into that place. Let him take care of those people. Let your heart be healed. And enjoy life. You know, when I was talking to Pastor Tom, we were talking about how there's times when you just feel like you've come to the end of your rope. And that's where you got to look up because that's where there's more of God and less of you. You look up and God is there. And you know, you come through the fire and he's with you and you won't be burnt. Because see, the fire will refine you. You know, the fire will bring up the gold. Now, in talking with Pastor Tom today, we were talking about this and he was uh, sharing about the Christmas program and how he felt like he was at the end of his rope. He was at the end of his own uh, ability to produce a drummer. And I'm telling you, without a drummer, If you don't have a drummer for your uh, Christmas musical uh, production, I mean, that's a thing. That's one of those things you got to, God's for me, thing I'm speaking to you. You can't stand against me, you lack of a drummer. And I'm telling you what, he was feeling pretty overwhelmed about this situation. When I'm telling you what, all of a sudden, there was a ram in the thicket. (laughs) Oh, don't you love it when God just shows up with a ram in the thicket? Hallelujah. 
And that ram happened to be Maureen Adams. That was her grandson. And Anthony, his mom was raised in this church. She was in my children's church. God bless Brenna. She's still in this church. But anyhow, her son, Anthony, he stepped up. And Pastor Tom got hooked up with him and said, can you play? Well, he had not played with us before. But he sat up there and he took hold of that program. And it was it not amazing? Pastor Tom, now, Pastor Tom, he won't tell you this, but I will. He is a musical genius. I- I'm serious. He, he really is. And when he heard Anthony play, he could not believe what he heard. He could not believe the talent and the anointing. And he stepped into that place, and it was beautiful. Anybody that was here, you, you know, it was beautiful. And so here was the deal. That fire, he, he went to look outside of his bands for somebody to help. He needed somebody to come. He was without. But as he looked, that fire that he was going through, that he felt like he was being overwhelmed, there was that ram. There was Anthony. And you know what? Not only did Anthony play for that Christmas musical production, but Anthony said, hey, I'll, I'll come and I'll, I'll play in the bands. I'll help. <laughs> that was awesome because he needed somebody like Anthony. He needed a gifted musician to stand up and take their place. I love that. I love that. So I'm telling you. You know, he discovered gold in Anthony. And when you're going through the fire, there's some gold that you're going to discover. That God is going to bring out. And he will turn your situation. And if you are lying down and your face is in the mud tonight, I'm telling you what. Turn around and look up. Turn around and look up and say, God. You are for me. And things, things that I'm going through, you cannot stand against me. God is going to make a way for me. He'll create a way for me. I'm telling you, that's the story of redemption. That's why Jesus came. He came to make a way. That's why we celebrate his birth. Amen. Now, in closing, I want to just give you another little illustration here. And I need a few people to help me out. <laughs> oh, Rebecca used to do this with me. So come on up. Come on up. Huh? Who else can help me out? Okay, let's see. Erin, you've got to come and help me. Okay. And Roy, would you come and help me? You come on over here. Okay, let's see. Mm-hmm-hmm. I think I need uh, one more person. Who, who else could come and help me? Let's see. Come on, help me. Listen. Okay. All right. So in, in asking that question, why is it that we celebrate the birth of Jesus? Why are we so excited about the birth of Jesus? We got to go back to the beginning to find out, you know, if you're here tonight, maybe you're not a Christian. You need to know. Why should you be so excited about the birth of Jesus? Well, I'll tell you why. You see, in the beginning, there was God. You get to play God. 
And God just, he created everything as we know. But you know, he wanted to create man because he wanted fellowship. He longed to fellowship with man. And so he created Adam. And Adam was in the garden. And in the garden, I mean, all his needs were met. I mean, God not only uh, met all his physical needs. I mean, he had everything. The temperature was exactly perfect. I mean, everything they needed was in the garden. He had dominion over the garden. He was the boss of the earth. And he created a beautiful woman for um, Adam, Eve. And Adam and Eve were in the garden. And he said to Adam, you know, Adam, all of this is yours. You have dominion over everything. But he said, you know, there's just one rule. Can you imagine only having one rule in life? (laughs) One rule. Don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in that day you shall surely die. Well, okay. Time went on. He gave him dominion. So you can give him dominion. And he's ruling and he's reigning in the earth. But, you know, somebody came into that garden. And he came in the form of a serpent. What was his name? You all know. Satan. Satan came in. And as he came in, he came in and he deceived Eve. He said, hey, Eve, you know what? It's not going to really hurt you to eat off that tree. You see, it's just going to make you wise. You're just going to be smart like God. Go ahead. You know, the fruit's good. Go ahead and eat it. It won't really hurt you. Well, she bought that lie. And she said, okay. And she, we know the story. She ate off the fruit. Then she gave it to her husband. And her husband just disobeyed. He flat out just disobeyed God. And he ate off that fruit. And in the moment that they did that, guess what happened? They gave. Well, let's see. I need one more person. Let's see. Who can come play this for me? Um, Tony, can you come play this for me? I, 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 missed, I missed someone. I need El Diablo. Can you be El Diablo? <laughs> getting the flow here so el diablo like i said he came in and when he convinced them to eat off that fruit guess what he did he took all of the authority that god had given to adam and eve he took it and here he is now with it who has authority in the earth who is the god of this world satan but see that isn't what god was gonna let that fly and so he had a plan god always has a plan and his plan was to send his son jesus Aren't you glad? He left heaven. He came to this earth. He was born as a baby who couldn't even take care of himself. He lived a spotless life without sin, was tempted in every way such as you are, yet without sin, because he was the perfect sacrifice. He was the spotless lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. And when he died on that cross, the Bible says that he paid the price for our redemption, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? And he went down into hell and he fought the host of hell those three days and three not, and not, two nights. And he came up and he took from El Diablo the authority, <laughs> the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says he rose triumphantly over it. (laughs) Glory to God. That's why he came. He came to destroy the works of the devil. 
But then you know what he did? He just didn't keep it all to himself. No. He took it and he said, here, you can give it to to believers. He said, you go. You go in my name. And those that believe, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll cast out demons. They'll preach the word, the gospel around the world. And then I'm a coming again. And we know that time has drawn close. It's drawn nigh. But this is why we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he came and he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. When Adam and Eve sinned, that sin was passed on to every person. That sin nature had to be replaced, had to be done away with. And it was Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much. So now as you're ruling, thank you. As you're ruling and reigning, I want you to remember that. Amen. I want you to remember that you have the keys, that God is for you and things because God is for me. You cannot stand against me. Amen. You're going to speak to those things. You're going to say the word. You're going to speak the answer. And you're going to pray the promise. Praise God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for the message that you are for us. And the revelation that because you are for us, nothing and no one and no situation can stand against us. Father, I pray for that to take root in the hearts of every hearer. That they have authority in this earth. That God is for them and not against them. That they can speak. What shall I say to these things? Things? God is for me. You can't stand against me. Lord, may it ring in their hearts. May they practice it in Jesus' name.